Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Picture Life, the best way to protect and secure your photos and videos. Picture Life works on a Mac, Windows, and iPhone. It even backs up your Facebook and Instagram pictures, all for only $7 a month. For a free two-month trial, just visit picturelife.com slash twip. This week on TWIP, Nikon releases the D610 and Pentax introduces the K3, Instagram adds advertisements, Adobe gets hacked, plus an interview on finding your inspiration with LA-based photographer Brooke Shaden. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the cool topics that happened this week, um, or roughly this week, and lots more are Mr. Dave Dugdale and Mr. Derek Story. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's awesome. Good to have both of you guys on. Dave, I think we'll kick it off with you and, and kind of get a get an update on what's been going on in your world. I've been kind of following you a little bit through your YouTube channel, which is amazing, by the way. If people haven't seen your YouTube, cha- YouTube <laughs> channel, you should definitely go check it out. But the, the video that I saw that I put in my watch later queue was um, this thing that you did on the Black Magic, that Black Magic little cinema camera thing that I was lusting after. What's, what's going on with that? So, yeah, I just finished the review, and I just posted it, and I had to give the camera back because uh, it was my 30 days were up with B&H, so I had to give it back. But it, in a nutshell, it's it's an awesome camera. It you know I compared it a lot to my 5D Mark III, and I compared it a lot even to a Red Epic. My friend has a Red Epic, cool. so we got to compare it from, you know. The, there's, like, two or three big things. The first is it's got really uh, big dynamic range, like 13 stops. Um, Jeez. The next thing is it shoots ProRes, so it shoots at a, uh, a certain Kodak where it makes it very easy for editing, really easy for green screen, very um, uh, easy on your CPU when you're you know editing your uh, your footage. Yeah. And um, it's just it creates a, a very flat image where, especially there's two modes: there's the video mode and there's the film mode. And the film mode's more like a log. Um, if you guys are familiar, I mean, it's, it's just really, if you're looking at it, it looks nasty. I mean, there's no color. It's totally <laughs> it's not desaturated. Con- not consumer friendly. Was oh, your no. It's, it, but it's, what's ironic is it's only a thousand bucks and it looks like a point and shoot camera. If I had it, I could show it to you because we're on video as well. Yeah, but I saw that. It's, yeah. it's incredibly small. It's like point and shoot. It's a little bit, you know, it's about the size of your iPhone in a way. And it's an amazing tool, but here's the thing. I'm not a colorist. I'm not a professional colorist, and you really need to be good at this stuff to bring back the color. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I showed a, a, a side-by-side of like a, a sunset and with my 5D Mark III, and it looked great out of the camera. You know, I didn't have to do much to it. And then I had the pocket camera, and it's like, man, this thing is, is hard to get the color out. You have to apply LUTs, and you have to know what Rec. 709 means and all these other terms that I've never dealt with before using DaVinci Resolve. So, yeah, it's the price-wise and the size-wise, you'd think it's a consumer camera, but it's really a professional camera in disguise. Wow. So $1,000, and then the, the competition that it's going up against is how much? Oh, gosh. Um, 
we're know, talking yeah add, add another zero right yeah, it's really expensive for yeah yeah you know, let's see interesting so that's interesting that they're pricing this it's interesting that they're pricing it at that level that it's within reach to normal mortals but then making the 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 process of using it out of reach to regular mortals. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it's for it's for like the people that are in Hollywood are like, you know what, we need to put fifteen cameras all around the place and we have unlimited budget. Let's go buy a bunch of those black magic things and slap them up there. You know? What's really interesting is that this company, Black Magic, many people have probably never heard of them before. It's not like a Nikon, a Pentax or mm-hmm. Canon. They're very disruptive. They'll buy a company um and then they'll pretty much give the software away. Or they'll introduce a camera like this for a thousand bucks and everybody's like, oh, I've got to have it. And, and what's great about it, they're so disruptive, is companies like Canon are like, oh, no, these guys are undercutting us in the market and they're innovating so much faster than we are. All right, maybe we need to innovate more. Um, so good. I think it's going to be great for everybody in the long haul. You know, yeah. that they're, Competition? You know, Competition's good. Yeah. All right, well, thanks. Welcome on. Also in the lineup here is Mr. Derek Story from The Digital Story. Hey, Derek, what's going on? Hey, Frederick. I'm doing great. Thank you. Great to what's be on the show. What's going on in your world? You're, you're always so busy, man. I mean, you're like, whenever I think of you, I think of the, the Chinese plate spinner because you, <laughs> you're spinning, spinning the podcast, you're doing workshops, you're traveling, and then you put on your low pro hat, you're doing that stuff. You're all over the place. What's going I on get- lately? I got a new thing. I got a new. Oh. Actually, I got a <laughs> you new. You got a thing. new plate. <laughs> I do. I have a new plate on Tuesday. On Tuesday, where I'm going to announce a new thing that I've, I've been working on this for months. So I'm so happy it's finally here. What so is I can it? give You're you a little bit us. of a hint. Let me see here. Let me see. Can you guys? Let me see. Wait. It's kind wait. of weird. Is it? I the can't. Photographer. <laughs> I have to go in reverse. Oh, there you go. Photographer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On Tuesday. So. What's so? What is yeah, that? I mean, give us give us more of a hint uh, than just a name. Come on. Okay. So, all right, so this is something that is, is like a term that I stumbled into about uh, 2010. And yeah, I, you can say you coined video. it. You don't have to say stumbled, I, you coined it. I, on, a, on a YouTube video that I did. And um, it has just stuck and stuck and stuck. And finally, uh, about a year ago, I was going, you know, I, I need to have more fun with this. This is, you know, I, I'm doing it informally. So I've got, uh, I'm working on a book. That'll be uh, the Nimble Photographer, and that'll come out next year. And then on Tuesday, I've got a whole site dedicated to this oh, that I've been working on, and it's awesome. it's fun. Yeah, it's got and it'll have a store and everything. And I've never done a store before, so this is very exciting for me. Congratulations! Yeah, All right, well, thanks, let, let me thanks. ask you this. So, yeah, I, you, the whole idea behind the Nimble Photographer, if, if I if I got it straight, is just you can do a lot more with less gear you can you can be nimble right you can have a light Absolutely. camera bag and do amazing stuff would Absolutely. you ever find in that light camera bag of yours a black magic pocket cinema camera <laughs> no <laughs> probably <laughs> i would no. not i looked at that camera and i and i'm glad uh, you know i'm i'm glad dave took a look at it but uh, not for me uh no i i'm more of a kind of a canon 70d uh kind of guy when it comes to video Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, I, I want to. We're definitely going to talk about that thing. The the nimble photographer yeah. effort that you're doing. Yes, it's a plus. Anything else? Anything else new in your world? Uh, just the usual stuff. You know, um, I got a workshop coming up this month, and this is the Fall Color Safari West workshop, and so getting uh, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted for that, and I, I love that workshop, so I can't wait for it to get here. 
and um, yeah, and just try, trying to uh, you know, the main thing lately has been nimble photographer. Yeah, no, I can see how that'd be a big plate for you to spin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a good, lot it's of like a, to get a big pizza plate, you know. It's like <laughs> I love it. Well, awesome, and congratulations on pushing that thing out. Thank you. All right, just a quick, a couple of quick notes from me. Um, so our friend Nicole S. Young, a.k.a. Nicole Z, sent me an email earlier this week alerting me to this this thing that was that kind of went on on Yerba Buena Island here in the Bay Area, um, and that's the... Uh, that's the that's Treasure Island for for those that don't know. It's kind of a, a little island that sits between Oakland or the East Bay and San Francisco. A lot of photographers go there for its vantage point of shooting back at the city with the with the Bay Bridge in there and all that. But there's this one vantage point in there where you can it's like, you know, tree lined on the background and then in the foreground you got San Francisco and you can get some pretty good shots there. But it turns out that it, what looks like happened, so first of all there was a fire there. That's the big deal. There was a fire that scorched um, several acres of pristine sort of land over there, picturesque land, scorched it. Um, and what some folks were saying, I don't think there's any proof or anything yet, was that it may have been caused by someone doing one of those spinning wool... Uh, fire kind of orb shots. Are you guys familiar with those? Have you seen those shots steel online? Steel wool. The steel yeah, the wool. steel wool. Where yeah. you, you take some steel wool, essentially, put it on a string, um, set your camera on a tripod, and I hope I'm not setting fires by telling people how to do this. You take some steel wool, put it on a string, put your camera on a tripod at night, um, open yep. up the, the shutter, and you go spin it around, and it makes these cool gym... It's basically painting with light. Problem is, yep. the light that you're painting with from the steel wool being on fire is fire and sparks flying all over the place, which doesn't play well with natural dry landscapes, and some people think that's what happened. So I just wanted yeah. to... I wanted to talk about that a little bit, and we'll link to that, the kind of the controversy, and some of the shots of some people that have done it over in that area... <laughs> We'll link to that, but I wanted to just quickly, uh, not that I want to go into this as a story, but I wanted to put this on the radar of the TWIP listeners to go take a look at this and then sound off of what you think in terms of fire safety around the photography that you do. Sound off in the blog post or the uh, the show notes for this episode. I'd appreciate that. Um, also, a quick mention about um, this. So one of the sponsors of the show is Shutterstock.com. And I don't, no, I don't believe they're sponsoring this show. Maybe they're, but the uh, they do sponsor several they episodes. Got a plug. <laughs> this week in photo, but they're getting another plug right now because right. they just launched a business which is really cool. I wanted to mention it because Martin Bailey's involved in it, um, who's another Twip co-host, and it's a business called Offset, and they're trying to, they're basically they're making a push into high-end stock photography or and some royalty-free imagery, and it's at Offset.com. And uh, like I said, Martin Bailey has some images in there. And Martin is the reason I got an email and it had Martin's name in there. And the reason that my ears perked up a little bit was because Martin, Martin is really, really picky about the stuff he gets involved in, you know, and rightly so, because he's, you know, he doesn't attach his name to just anything. So the fact that he's doing this, I was like, oh, okay, instant street cred right there by attaching Martin Bailey's name to it. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to give a shout out to our friends over at Data Robotics slash Drobo. They gave me a call earlier today. The, basically what they said is they are, and I have my notes here, I scribbled down a bunch of notes from that call. 
they said they are um, shutting their the website. The, well, wait a minute. They're shutting the store down. So on on October 20th, we're recording this, and it's October 9th. So in 11 days, they're shutting the store down because they're redoing it and doing some really they're doing, they couldn't tell me exactly what it was, but they're shutting it down for a couple of days or something, and then they're going to relaunch it with some insane stuff in there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be new products, but I think they're kind of redoing the whole way that they do business in a way. But they dropped the prices for one. So they dropped the 5D from 849 to 699 and they dropped the Drobo Mini, which is sitting on my desk right here. They dropped that thing from... Or I forget what it was before, but it's dropped to 349 bucks, and they kicked us over a coupon code for first they were gonna say 25 bucks off, and I negotiated up to 50 dollars off. <laughs> so 50 dollars off of those two dropped prices um, with the code TWIP10, TWIP10 until um, October 20th. So until October 20th, if you use the code TWIP10, they'll knock automatically in the cart it'll knock 50 bucks off bringing the 5D down to 649 and the Drobo Mini down to $299 but only until the 20th with the code TWIP10 so definitely check that out yeah the 5D is yeah. a beast it is a beast it is it. a beast you have, have one it. Derek I have one it's full it's, it's I mean full of drives not full uh, not full of pictures it's full of drives and, uh, it's yeah full of and I use the uh, <laughs> The Thunderbolt with it. It's, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Now, how, do you find that, that – is that fast enough for – I mean, are you using it strictly for archival or are you using it as like a working No. Re real time. You can do real time. With the Thunderbolt, you can do real time. Really? So you can like – you could edit video on there and all Absolutely. that stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, raw cool. files? No problem. What? So Hot you can put, you put your entire Lightroom library on there? And or, I'm sorry, your aperture library. <laughs> Your aperture library, you put that on there? I got some Lightroom files on there. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah, I, you can, that's the thing, that's what I love about, because with the, uh, you know, with the laptops now having limited space, if you're going flash right on them, so now you just plug the Thunderbolt uh, Drobo into that, uh, you know, into your laptop and then work off the library there, and it's awesome. Huh, yeah, that's cool. See, that's what I do with my, with my Drobo Mini. So yeah. my flow is, I'm, I'm actually going to put a video together about this. So my flow is the Drobo Mini sits on my desk, which is Firewire, or I'm sorry, Thunderbolt. And um, Firewire. I, oh, I know. What is that? Firewire? No, yeah, it's scuzzy. It, I, I heard it's of scuzzy. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's Thunderbolt, and I, that's my working drive. So I have all my stuff on there, but then... Yeah. I archive, like I do a carbon copy cloner routine of my drive, everything over to the big Drobo, which is in my closet connected to the network next door, and that happens every night. So yeah. I'm not, I have the 5D, but I'm not even benefiting from that speed. I didn't even consider that I could use it as a main working drive. But. You can. You can. And you know what? Thunderbolt's a real deal, I got to tell you. I mean, I, I, we don't. We don't talk about it that much, and we don't hear that much about Thunderbolt, but it's it's the real deal. It is good stuff. It's fast. Well, I'm using it right now. I mean, Thunderbolt is connected from this laptop to this display to that Drobo all the same time through one little cable. It's crazy. Yeah, it's know, like it's magic. Good. It's a kind of it's magic. It's like magic. Have, have you ever pulled it out? It, it actually gets hot. It's like, you know, it is like... Oh, the cable? It, no, no, the, the tip. The, oh. They should call it, you know... 
lightning bolt or something. There you go. There you go. I bet you're going to go somewhere else with that. I'm glad you did. But no, they... no, no. I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. <laughs> that self-governing the, mechanism. The, 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 no, the, no. The, the sensor here is working. It's working. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for not having me put the explicit tag on this episode. No, right? yeah. No, no. I'm good here. All right, guys. Before we jump into the news, there is actually some news this week. Before we jump into the news, I want to thank our sponsor, one of our newest sponsors of This Week in Photo, and that's Picture Life. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Picture Life. Your pictures and videos are everything to you, so why take a chance? Protect those precious moments with Picture Life. Picture Life automatically backs up your photos and videos from your Mac, PC, and even your mobile devices like your iPhone, iPad, or Android phone. And once they're backed up, you can use Picture Life's advanced search tool to find and view your images from any desktop or mobile device. You can also use Picture Life to easily share photos and videos privately with friends and family. And perhaps most importantly, it's easy these days to lose your photos or videos if something happens to one of your devices. Say it gets stolen, you lose it, data gets corrupted, it gets wet, or some kind of natural disaster happens. With Picture Life, all of your photos and video memories will be safe. You can protect and secure your photos and videos from your desktop and mobile devices for only $7 a month. You can try it free at picturelife.com slash twip. That's a two-month free trial at picturelife.com slash twip. All right, guys, let's jump into the discussion. First off, um, it is, I think this is going to be gear month because we got Photo Plus Expo coming up in a couple weeks here. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of stuff happening then. But two of the new cameras that have shown up, one from Pentax, the K3, and the other from Nikon, the D610. So let's, let's talk about these. Let's take Pentax first. So let me just run through these specs a little bit first. It's called the K3. And... The hallmark feature is it's got an anti-aliasing filter button that allows you to select or deselect the filter on the fly. Plus, it's got 24 megapixels, that CMOS sensor, which is the same that's in the D7100 on Nikon side. It's got sensor shift image stabilization, like you find in the new Panasonic GX7 and the the Olympus OMD. They have the they have image stabilization in the body instead of you know relying on it being in the lens. An anti-aliasing simulator, uh, whatever that is. They've got uh, improved autofocusing, 8.3 frames a second, 1920 by 1080 video at 60i, 30p, 24p, dual SD slots, headphone microphone ports, yay, thank you, um, USB 3 support, which is that ugly jack, <laughs> and it's $1,299 or $1,300. Negatives, no Wi-Fi. It doesn't have built-in Wi-Fi, which I think is becoming a standard or a must-have for, for cameras in general. So let's let's start with you guys. Uh, Dave, on your side, um, looking at this camera, first off, do you remember Pentax? Are you familiar with the, with the oh, company? Oh, man. You should start with me, someone who likes Pentax. <laughs> you like Pentax? I do I like, like Pentax. Pentax. I just don't own any Pentaxes. Or oh, Pentai. Man. Would it be Pentai or Pentaxes? I don't know. <laughs> All right, Derek, you can go first since you love Pin Taxi. All what, right, what, sorry. What we'll let Dave have the Nikon. Okay. <laughs> you can have the, the instrumental uh, upgrade. <laughs> no, this is a good camera. This is this K3. I, uh, I actually have a K2 uh, right oh. now. And, uh, and Pentax cameras, 
and I get this a lot with uh, within my audience. You know, the people that that shoot Pentax are uh, they're very they're very happy whenever I write about because they know what good cameras they are. And uh, I think you know it gets a little bit of what you were just talking about, Frederick, where um, you know it's not Canon, it's not Nikon. Uh, it's you know it's Pentax, it's that other thing, right. but they well now Sony's in that mix now. This is Canon, Nikon, Sony. Sony definitely is in that mix. Absolutely yes. Here's the thing about Pentax: uh, incredibly well-built cameras, uh, weather-resistant uh, bodies. You know, uh, up and down the line, their lenses, even their uh, their kit lenses are weather resistant. So you spend $199 for a lens, you still get a weather resistant lens. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I so they they do a lot of stuff like that. Uh, what they did with uh, the K3, the simulator that you uh, referred to, basically allows you to uh, simulate an anti-aliasing filter or not. And and unlike other cameras where you just have to choose, I want I want the body with the filter. I want the body without the filter. You can choose it with your order button with the other ones. There's an actual button on the camera. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you yeah. choose it with the order button. I like that. <laughs> Very expensive order button at that. Right, right. This one, you choose it with a button on the back of the camera. And uh, not only uh, do you get to turn it off and on on the fly, you can even choose degrees of effect. So, you, you know, so if you want a little bit, of the or a lot of it or whatever. So depending on what you're shooting, uh, if you're shooting uh, clothing and wardrobe and fabric, you know you, you probably want that filter on fairly strong so you don't get more ray patterns. Yeah. If you're shooting a landscape, you probably want it all the way off. And uh, it's it's I haven't had a chance to test it yet, but it's very clever. It's a very ingenious idea, and it's what they're hanging their hat on uh, with the K3. You know, this is this is their thing, just like the. The new sensor for the 70D is what uh, uh, Canon's hanging their hat on on that camera. This is what Pentax uh, is hanging their hat on for the K3. Now, now, why? How come I'm just now finding out that you shoot Pentax? You know, and and the, the second part of that, I mean, you're a closet Pentax shooter, Derek. Come on, admit it. <laughs> 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 the sec, the I second just been part outed. Oh my god! I just outed you. I'm sorry, man. It's I wasn't good. ready for this, but it's all good. It's all good. Be yourself. Right. Be yourself, Derek. Right. I am. I am. I'm comfortable <laughs> but, with it. But how? The other piece of this question is why? Why don't I see more of Pinta? Or or am I just not seeing the cameras because I'm focused on the other big three? You know, are are there more Pintax yeah. Eye out there than I know about? Um. You know, I think the, the, the Pentax audience is, is a dedicated, but still a small, relatively small group when you compare it to Canon and Nikon. And now, as you say, even Sony. Mm -hmm. uh, small in numbers, but uh, dedicated, and there are enough, uh, definitely enough people shooting Pentax to keep it going, right? And, uh, you know, Pentax got a little air cover when, you know, Rico acquired them, right? Mm -hmm. So now they've... They, now they've got Wait, a, a little bigger budget. What company? Got... Who? What was it? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going to get all kinds of comments. <laughs> you need to get out more, Frederick. I know. I know. I'm like, I'm like the horse. I got us. the blinders. You know. Come out here among us and the, and the masses here. Um, but it, at any rate, uh, Pentax, their niche has been, or what they've been doing on the DSLR world, is uh, you know you get an all-weather camera uh, and lenses 
for a very affordable price. I mean, that's that's kind of been their thing. And yeah. now with this K3, they've they've really uh, taken it up a notch. And uh, the camera that I have, the K2, I use it for my it's my backpacking camera. Okay. It's okay. Uh, you know because I can take it out there and I have shot in snow, rain, whatever, and I I just don't think about it. It's you know, weatherproof, just, uh, built-in weatherproofing DNA. You know, and yeah. I kid, I kid around a lot about different camera manufacturers and software mm -hmm. manufacturers. But in the end, these are all excellent tools. I mean, these are. Oh. And when it comes down to it, you know, the people that that get hung up on like you know the the tool itself and not shooting are the ones that are suffering, right? Because you, you can, can say take that pin tax. Um, that that pin tax and anyone's anyone's that that knows how to shoot can do some magic with that thing, just like they could do magic with any of the other guys. Well, so. here's the thing on on the Pentax cameras. If you pick it up and hold it, and I'm talking about you know the K2 or now the K3, you pick it up and hold it, it feels great. It is a camera that you go, you know, there's something going on here with this mm -hmm. camera, and uh, it is it is a quality camera. And I um you know I, I'm kind of the guy that I do pick up. Pentaxes. I, I do pick up, you know, the the Rico, you know, GR camera. I do pick up all those cameras, and and write about them. It's sort of my niche, there. But I tell you, I had to originally review the K2 for MacWorld, you know, so it was sent to me on assignment, and I shot with it for a month. I had to send it back as we have to, you know, on those yeah. things. Right. And um, I went and bought one. Hmm. See, no, that's the I, ultimate. I, I rarely do that. I rarely do that. Yeah. That's that's the ultimate kudo right there when the reviewer actually yeah. plunks down his own money to that's buy right. the gear. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. All right. So well, this uh, this K, you know, the thing that I I'd say to our listeners here is, uh, you know, this K3 is, uh, I if it's anything like the K2 with the new features, uh, it's something that you should take a look at if you're not locked into uh, a lens library. All right. Well, Derek, next time we do that sushi lunch, bring that camera with you. I will. I will. Check You'll it out. You'll be hooked. You'll be hooked. All right. Cool. All right, Dave. What do you think? Do you have any opinions on this on this Pentax yeah. body? It shoots video. So yeah, actually, what's it's really interesting is you know this. I've had many a shots ruined with like a Rebel, or a 60D. Or even a 60 Canon uh, with, uh, especially Moray in aliasing too. So I was trying to do some searching around, and it looks like some people are thinking that not only for pictures, but it's for video that this particular button uh, would work on. So that's very interesting to me um, because I've had so many shots just destroyed. I'm like, I can't use it. You know, in pictures, you know, I take a lot of pictures, but and I don't really ever get the situation where I'm like, oh man. You know, it's aliasing on that picture or more A patterns. It doesn't happen that often. But video, it's like, oh my gosh, I can see it. And as right, yeah. you do more and more video over the years, in the beginning, it didn't really bother me too much because it was kind of on a subconscious level. I didn't really care. But now I'm like, I, I can see it instantly. I'm like, oh, I can't have that. Yeah. So that's really nice. Um, USB 3 is great because, you know, I don't think Canon's giving us, what, USB 2 at this point. It has a yeah. headphone jack, mm -hmm. which is great. Because, like you know, Canon at this price level, I don't even think give us a headphone jack, so they you know, don't. That that's a great feature right there. Which is um, that mic jack is the that's my that's my pet peeve. The missing mic jacks on cameras these days. You know, it's like it does it really cost that much to add a mic in there? Really, <laughs> like, all this other stuff, and you can't put a mic jack on there. What I think is interesting is like Canon. I would I would I would wager to guess that. 
like in the um, 60D um, cameras uh, or the Rebel line of cameras, they have a mic input. I bet you that on that chip, there is also a headphone amplifier as well, but they just don't bring it out to a jack. Mm -hmm. It's probably the circuitry is already on that particular chip, and it's really tiny, and they use the same chip or whatever for you know, the, the 5D Mark III or, you know, so it's, you know, I think it's kind of funny that they don't put that on there. Yeah. Um, a few other things, um, 4K time lapses, it, it creates a video out of it. I don't know if that's at such a big deal or not um, that it's doing it for you because I'd almost rather do it myself because, um, you know, it just it time lapses, uh, I think it would be easier to process it later than have the camera do it. Yeah. Um, it does H.264 now. Um, and if I, I watched that video, um, and they were just getting this camera all sorts of wet. I don't know if you saw that video or not, but they were really, no, I didn't see it. really getting it wet. Um, it's actually on one of the, I'll shoot you a link, but um, it's pretty fascinating how wet this thing was getting, and, and they seem to be totally fine with and it. And it keeps plugging, huh? So wow. for me, I mean, this, you know, this, what, this is what I like about this podcast. I would have kind of like never even thought of reviewing a Pentax camera, but now looking at the specs and looking at what it can do, at this price range, with the headphone jack and some of these other features, yeah, this might be something to uh, definitely look at. You know, yeah, and in-body image stabilization, right? Yeah. But who, but I wonder if that in-body image stabilization works in video mode because I know on the Olympus OMD, it's it's it works in both still and video mode. But on the Panasonic GX7, it as far as I know, I don't think the camera's shipped yet, so this may change before the thing hits the streets. But it's only in still mode. It doesn't. It doesn't do the in-body image stabilization in video mode, which is, you know, different. So I don't know. The way, what do you, what do you <laughs> I think? got a different word for that. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, see, Derek, Derek, Derek speaks his mind. That's why you have right. we have you on the show, Derek. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, the GX7 we is a camera I have lust after too. You know, and, which one? When I found the GX7, yeah. I. I I, I have some lust after that camera. I'm trying to get a, a loner right now. Yes. But uh, I was very both, disappointed to hear about the video. Oh, the image stabilization on the video? Yeah, yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. How often, though, how often do you, like, when I when we did our interview, um, Derek, and I did, we were, where were we at? Were you at Buena Gardens or something? Yes, yes. And I had, I had the I had OMD. a chai. I had a chai tea. Had, yeah, with chai yes. with a little vodka in it. And I yeah. did the... <laughs> They would call that a chadka, I think. <laughs> chadka. <laughs> but I did that with the OMD. Um, but did. yeah, but I—I I mean, I'm not a filmmaker. I may do the random interview here and there. I don't, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not Dave Dugdale by any means in my video efforts. So, and I haven't found a need for image stabilization yet. I'm sure I will. But but with the GX7, would that be a deal breaker? Like for me, it wouldn't be a deal breaker because I'm like, yeah, it's a bummer. It's gonna give me more stops of light when I shoot stills. But on the video side, I'm probably gonna be on sticks anyway. So, well, uh, you know, and you know, Dave will probably chime in on this too because it's uh, definitely up his alley. It depends on how you shoot. Now, when you're doing interviews on on tripod, no, not a big deal. In fact, you turn off stabilization. Right. You yeah, because you'll get the jiggle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, if you're if you're a wacky person like me that's running around with the camera shooting video while you're moving, yeah. it comes in really handy. It can, and you know, there's nothing worse than handheld video without IS. You know, I mean, it's it's just horrible. So I, you know, for someone like me, it's, it's a big deal because yeah. I I don't have the the camera on a tripod uh, that much. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I, I I'm a little I'm, I'm a little surprised. I thought here I go. Panasonic did the right thing finally. You know, giving us in body stabilization. Yay! Yeah. But it's only for stills. Ooh. <laughs> so they get the one-handed clap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a one-hand clap. You know? Yeah. Dave, it's, it, but but before I go to you, Dave, Derek, is this a deal breaker for you though? I mean, would you? It might be. It might, it might be. be really. It huh. might be. Yeah. So but it's I, such a beautiful camera, though. I, mean, I know it's, like, it's so cute. I know it's adorable. But you know, it's just like anything else that's very adorable on the outside. You've got to look. To the personality here, <laughs> gotta force yourself. <laughs> You've been hurt, haven't you, Derek? You've been you gotta before. look inside that person. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe their dating no, photo profile. No, <laughs> oh man! All right, Dave Debbie, what, what do you think? Uh, so GX7. First of all, are you familiar with that camera? It's from Panasonic. Um, no. So here's the deal. So go get your thoughts on this. So here's the deal. It's a beautiful camera. It's awesome. It's coming out hopefully within the next month or so. Um, it's basically a competitor to the OMD and the the Fuji X100S, though it has interchangeable lenses and all that. It's an awesome retro-looking styled camera, micro four-thirds, so, you know, it's awesome-looking in all the specs that you can imagine it has in there. The spec that Derek and I were just talking about is on the OMD, it has uh, in-body image stabilization. The sensor this multi-axis image stabilization thing in there so that you can five axis so you can put any old lens on there and it's still stabilized whereas it used to be in the lens and you're screwed if you didn't have it in lens on the Panasonic side their Achilles heel to to date has been all of their image stabilization has if you wanted it you'd have to get a get a lens with it in there until the GX7 which has in body image stabilization in it but as Derek is saying only in still photography mode. It doesn't work when you're in video mode. Would would what would would if you were looking at this camera and all this all things being equal, specs are through the roof, excellent image quality, innovations, got articulated LCD, articulated um, EVF, all that stuff on there. Would the lack of video stabilization be a deal killer for you? For me personally, yeah, because I'm such a run and gun kind of shooter. Uh, I I couldn't do it. I'm I'm sure that in the studio situation, or if you're always locked down, or you're on a, a monopod, or or you're maybe even you're flying it with them sort of like a glide cam, um, yeah. maybe. But I mean, you got to be really steady. Um, yeah, I rely on IS a lot, and not only IS, but I'll usually add just a a little bit of. Um, image or warp stabilization like in Premiere oh, um, okay. and that that just smooths it out even more and some and sometimes I'll even do some tricks uh, depending on what I'm shooting like for instance if I'm doing like a turntable shot and I've got a product on it I'll shoot it at 30 and then I'll bring it down reconform it to 24 or 23976 mm-hmm. and then what that does it'll smooth it out even smoother. Um, so there's little tricks you can do. So yeah, I personally wouldn't look at it if it didn't have any sort of image sta- stabilization. I mean, but you can only... still get that in the lens though. I mean, you could still get an image stabilized lens. Right. So, well, <clears throat> well in that, yeah, in that case then yeah, I would take a look at it. But if you're so you were I'm confused. You're saying that it's and now it's in the body, right? You, well, yeah. So you get it's in the body, um, but and this is I don't have the camera yet, so I'm assuming to date Panasonic's image stabilization has been in the lens. Now they've got this body that has image stabilization in it. I'm um, um, assuming I can still use my Panasonic but it lenses, won't work for video. Yeah, and stabilize okay. the video through the lens. That'll yes. work. 
Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Okay. But I'm wondering, but, you, you, gotta, you can't be double stabilizing, right? you got to be able oh. to turn off the body stabilization. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about that camera to really say anything. Sorry. Tell you what, um, we did. We did. It's ironic. We did a review of that camera. Actually, um, Doug K did a review of that camera for our show, All About the Gear, um, and hopefully it will be going live very soon. And I will. Uh, he'll give you the deal on it. So, he played with it. I didn't, but we'll see. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right, guys. It so is. the other camera. God, we're, we spend all that time. I've got my timer going here, guys, just so you know, to keep me on track. Let me show the viewers. So look at this timer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a big softbox or umbrella. Right? you got an octobox. Uh, yeah, it's an octobox up there. See the reflection? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> look, behind the scenes of This Week in Photo, look. You can see. Check out the Octobox. That's right. That's right. With this uh, big tablet that I'm using here for a timer. Um, but the other thing, the other camera to talk about here is Nikon. So they, it was, um, it's a Nikon D610 or 610, and like Derek was mentioning, it's largely a refresh of the D600. Um, but it's got a new shutter mechanism. Um, it had some the the D six hundred had some some dust issues that hopefully are fixed in this one. They upped the shooting speed from five point five frames a second to six. Um, it's got a quiet continuous mode at three frames per second, and it now has weather sealing like the D eight hundred. So the specs we'll put all the specs in the list, but you can imagine. I mean, it's got the 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 usual lineup of specs here 24 megapixels fx sensor 39 point af 6 frames a second again no wi-fi on this thing um, i know on the able... refresh even they missed it on the refresh oh yeah on the refresh on the, no, ref on the refresh they missed it i'm not buying another camera without wi-fi built into I it i don't blame you i don't blame I'm, you i'm, I'm spoiled I'm... my nex 5r spoiled me for being able yeah. to be somewhere sitting at a restaurant and just hit the button and transfer it over. Now I could use my wife my iFi card. That's awesome. I still use that. But something I think it's faster when it's the processor inside the camera or something. I don't know. It just it works better for me going that way. So um so this camera, Dave, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Should we even care? I mean, it's a 610. Should, or in other words, should people? Should the only people that care about this release be the people that already own the 600? And they're like, oh, finally, they fixed it. <laughs> well, I don't. I'd I be don't... mad if I own a 600. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you still care, though. Right? Now, I can't remember if you were on the show last week where they did the story, and maybe it was um, Bailey that did the story on the. Um, pastor or priest or whoever it was and where there's a photographer was shooting behind him and clicking really loudly. Yeah, that was, um, last week. That was Martin. Martin <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, you got a super quiet shutter. We don't know how quiet it is yet, right. but it goes down to like three um, frames per second, so yeah. maybe that would be a, an issue. But this kind of goes to what Canon did with the T4i with had the batter or the grip issue that would turn white or some zinc. Yeah, I remember that. Or other. Yeah. And so what they decided to do is like, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna put a mode dial button on there, our mode dial, and we're gonna make it so you can spin it 360 degrees. And we're gonna call it the T5i. And uh, that's what they did. They didn't change anything else. They, all they did was make it so you could rotate it all the way around. Right. And I have a feeling this is kind of the same way Nikon's like, well, Canon did it. We're just going to do it because, you know, the other one had problems with dust. Let's just call it something new. You know, the mom or the dad, soccer dad, let's say, goes into Costco and sees two different cameras. Or, or maybe, who, who knows, maybe we're going to discontinue the old one like Canon did. But um, 
he doesn't know. You know, I think there's a, a um, thought process of people's mind when they go into Costco and they see those cameras lined up um, and they see that it's been refreshed. And they're probably thinking it has better image quality. But, of course. You know, yeah. it doesn't. You know, like with the Canon line, we had the same APS-C sensor for what, like three or four years? That went <laughs> from the 7D all the way up to the T5i. Now we got a, finally we got a new sensor in the, what, the 70D. But um, you would think people would think, people are thinking, oh, it's a, it's, the image quality is getting better. But it's not. It's just the features you're buying or, in this case, <laughs> the lack of dust. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, I think the, you know, the just, I don't know, it's, so what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys, this is the perfect, I think the perfect crew to, to help answer this question. Is there a lack of innovation in the DSLR space going on? Cause, or, and has all the effort and innovation moved over to the, like the mirrorless cameras like the GX7 and you know those sorts of things that we're seeing from those kind of companies, Sony included? Where I haven't seen anything new and exciting, you know, on the DSLR space. Am I am I just missing it? Am I just blinded by mirrorless? Blinded by the mirror? You know, <laughs> you might be you might be a little blinded here by mirrorless. Yeah. I mean, oh come on, Nimble, I, I, come on, tell me. <laughs> I think I think I think the seventy D is definitely uh, new, you know. Okay. It's, and, it's, well, it, well, it, why why isn't it? Because the the sensor and the live view focusing. Uh, system is really cool. I mean, it's and it's really different than any other uh, DSLR that I've shot with. And uh, I mean, it, it's it's spectacular. So it's now new. you can actually See, spectacular is a big word, Derek. I mean, big and big. Yeah. But it's is it, it new as solos. in this is a cool? This is a, a is this an innovation? This is this is pushing the technology of DSLR tech forward, or is this yeah. just like okay? It what is. can we do to get more life out of these things? You know? No, no, no. It is, and I'll tell you why. Because with the DSLR and 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 with what Canon has done with this camera, you get your optical viewfinder, which many photographers love, right? Mm -hmm. And you get live view uh, for both uh, still photography and video photographer, which now works. Before, in order to get that kind of live view performance, you had to have either LCD only existence or an electronic viewfinder. So, you, so this is new, and and what it does is it allows people to have both worlds. So I, you know, I I got to give them kudos for that for that, and I and I think it is it, it might not be um, as sexy as uh, some of the things we're seeing in the mirrorless world, but it's, it's definitely notable. And then I think what uh, Pentax did, if this, if this uh, simulator for anti-aliasing filter uh, works as advertised, I mean, I think that's a big deal. I yeah. think that that's a, a big deal. And so there are things, I think there are things happening in the DSLR world that are noteworthy. Now, Dave, Dave speaking of the DSR, DSLR world, what's missing? From your vantage point, you know what? What's the missing tech that we absolutely have to have? That every time you see a new release, you're like, "Oh, why didn't they just do this?" <laughs> well, I mean, the perfect example is the um, Blackmagic pocket camera. Um, yeah. So the first first item is the Kodak. So H.264 is great for a kind of a, a delivery, um, but editing wise, it stinks. So it would be nice to, if they put ProRes in there. And I'm a Windows guy, and I'm just starting to understand what ProRes is, but it's kind of like DNX HD, where you can uh, do really high quality uh, video editing Kodak um, that you can edit with. 
so that that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, they've always been giving us uh, four to zero in terms of color space, and this is going to get a little bit technical um, and an eight bit. Um, but with you know Black Magic, they're giving us ten bit at four two two, which basically means we're getting a whole bunch of more color information, um, and we can do a lot of grading and post, and really, like as you say, punish the pixels. And yeah, we just yeah. beat them into submission when you're stretching the image and doing stuff in video, like within uh, Resolve. So, you know, if Black Magic can do it in this tiny little camera for a thousand bucks, why can't Canon do it? You know, you know. So that to me, those are the big. And the the last item I want to talk about is dynamic range. I mean. Blackmagic's giving us a huge dynamic range. I mean, this sensor said, is, right? is, is totally optimized for video. And I don't know why they couldn't put a different processor in. And when you flip it over to video mode, they optimize that processor which, within the, the Canon camera or the Nikon camera to be optimized for video. So those are the big items I think are kind of missing innovation-wise that other smaller companies that are more, being more disruptive are giving us. Well, then speaking of smaller companies that are being more disruptive, um, the uh, you know the post processing or the 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 focus after the fact crew, you know the companies that are allowing you to shoot and then focus later, is that a feature that we need to see move into DSLRs at any point, or well maybe it can't even move into DSLRs or into mirrorless, you know is that is that a feature that you guys see glaringly missing? I need to be able to focus in aperture later. Derek, is that is is that on your list? Uh, I don't know. I not. I don't think for me so much. Uh, but you know, it, it's funny about these things. You know, they're very personal, right, yeah. Frederick? I mean, you know, you you know this. Uh, you and I know this when we talk and when we talk with other photographers. So something that for me. I'll go, nah, I don't, I don't care about that. And another guy may go, wow, you know, I cannot live without that. So I think it depends. For me, not, not as big a deal, you know. But it, uh, just real quick before we wander too far away uh, sure. uh, from the Nikon, six, you know, the 610. Thank you for reining me back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, we, you know, we were, we were uh, teasing it a little bit because it is an incremental upgrade. But but the thing that I, I did want to say about it is that now it is the camera that you know that lives up to its potential I think you know based on its spec so now I think this is a good camera right it, it, they they fix the things that I think were wrong with it and you know and the thing about Nikon right now and you're talking you guys you and Dave were talking about dynamic range and so forth you know they are they are getting it done. In you know in in areas of dynamic range and high ISO performance, so yeah. I I think this I would be a little upset if I had the 600, but if I was looking if I waited to buy the 600 and that's the camera I wanted, I would definitely get the 610. Yeah. But if if and, and I'm gonna go back off track just a little bit, but I promise to bring. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm trying to get my brain around. I got this this yeah. Black Magic camera up on this in the other tab here, and Dave, you were saying it's got. 14 stops of dynamic range in there. So 14 stops. 13. Right? 13? 13 they, stops. 13 was the claim, yeah. Okay, so they claim 13 stops. What is the, what is, say, your 5D or, you know, what, what are the, or 7D? What, generally, a general purpose DSLR, what's that going to have stop wise? Yeah, you see numbers all over the place because I, I don't know how to test this properly. I don't, that, yeah. that goes way beyond my level of expertise. But I think for everybody, the, the consensus is maybe 10.5 to 11. Maybe. 
Okay, so it's it's relatively close, but how come they can't go thirteen? I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, I would love I would love to see Canon or Nikon go that direction. In fact, you know, when I reviewed the Nikon against my five D Mark III, um, the D hundred, the Nikon was better. Um, it had a bit more, not a ton more, but it had a bit more. And I would love to see Canon go that direction. You know, it's one of those things I talked about in my review that. You know, Canon's point-and-shoot market is pretty much dying because of all these cell phones, um, yeah. and and the DSLR market is kind of their, I would guess, their bread and butter. And us filmmaker type people are really kind of helping them. You would think that they would want to help, you know, us a little bit by giving us some better features. Yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully, they watch shows like this and they hear all the complaining that we do. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, analysis. Analysis, <laughs> you call it. Yeah, we do. All right, guys. Uh, the next story that I want to jump into is Instagram. So, Instagram is adding advertisements, and unlike Facebook's targeted ads, Instagram plans to begin with a limited number of image-rich, video-rich image-rich image, image rich and video-rich ads. I can read this. Um, which come to users regardless of their interest. So, it's not targeting. So, it's just basically they're going to be advertising to you like you get ads on a billboard, that kind of thing. And they're also, which is I think a new thing, they're going to allow users to hide the ads. So, Dave, why don't you continue? What, what do you think about this? I mean, are you a big Instagram user, first of all? I'm sure you're familiar with the service. Oh, yeah. And it's and funny because I think I was on your show about uh, like a year ago and it's like, ah, Instagram, whatever. And now I've got like 500 followers. So I'm like, oh, okay, I better pay attention to it. <laughs> and I do post and it's usually just random stuff off my iPhone. Um, but, the, you know, the whole ad thing is kind of interesting. You know, on Facebook, like their ads, um, I, there's a bit of ad blindness. I don't really look at it. I, 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 my gear in my head, so it's just like I, I just block it out. But, you know, I say that, but, you know, my wife loses her keys all the time, and there's this one ad that kept popping up. It was about this little device you can attach to somebody's keys, and then you can find the keys really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's 18 bucks. I'm just going to buy it, you know. So, I, you know, I say that, but sometimes the ads are, are good, maybe. I don't know. But now that I've purchased it, that's all I see. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if it's targeted, that would be awesome. They know, you know, like Google knows what we're searching for, so that... Serves that kind but they're of stuff not up. targeting. That's the yeah, thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's what you said. So, um, I don't think it's going to hurt them um, because you know they had to do it sooner or later anyway. It's owned yeah. by Facebook, right? Yeah. 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 So they got plenty of money. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah their stock's think, doing fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think you know if they insert it like the way Twitter is, um, I'll be able to put my ad blindness blind uh, <laughs> glasses on so I can filter that stuff out. Yeah. Um, but if it's doing it, like if I'm scrolling down and the video starts to play, then that would be kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that yet. I'm not, I'm, I'm on Instagram, um, of course, but I, you know, the terms of service thing gets me and, you know, there's a whole a whole long list of, of reasons why I don't post as much on Instagram <laughs> as I used to um, or quality stuff like I, you know I used to I don't know Derek yeah are you you're a big Instagram well I don't know are you a big Instagram user yeah if so, I, I, I like is it gonna it. bug you no I, I, I mean it, it, I think they're gonna implement it in a way where uh, it'll be it'll be fine It'll be yeah. fine, and and as Dave was saying, maybe sometimes even even interesting. Who knows? I mean, there's an opportunity here. I mean, if I was if I was the guys doing this project, I'd go, you know, what could we do? That's cool. 
you know, around around this, you know, and yeah. and, and make it kind of fun. But uh, you know, we knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah. You know, it was, it was really just a matter of time. And uh, I, I think we'll wait and see uh, how well they do it and, and go from there. But uh, for me, I, I mean, I think the issues that come up in terms of service are, you know, of more concern than them uh, bringing ads in, yeah. unless they're just terrible at it. Uh, and then, you know, of course, then it'll that'll become an issue then. Yeah. And in the end, I mean, people have to understand. I'm, I'm for record, I'm fine with with them putting ads. It's their business, you know. They got to try to make money. Yeah somehow they're giving you a free service which you've enjoyed for several years and people complaining about hey they're trying to make money off of me after you've been leeching yeah. off of their service for all these years I know. you yeah. know I either do that or charge me you know five dollars a year ten dollars a year or something you know if you want an ad-free version that'd be totally fine so yeah, yeah. so give, I mean give that, that would be break. cool I'm glad you brought that up. That you know, that would be kind of cool to to you know, if they had an ad-free version too. I mean, that would right. be fun. But uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, we would be hypocrites, right? Because you know, we have ads on our site. Right. So yeah. You know. So yeah. You know, what, what am I going to say? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and we have ads in this very podcast. You know. Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, I I I think. When you're providing a service uh, and you're not charging a subscription, I, I think most people are pretty fine with that with that yeah. uh, business model. Hey, that rent ain't gonna pay itself. So, <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> no, it ain't. All right, guys, let's let's move on from that. This last story that I wanted to talk about um, is Adobe. Adobe admitted to being hacked um, to the tune of nearly three million accounts that were affected. So let me read this blurb so I make sure I get this right. It says. Last week, Adobe announced that it had been hacked to the tune of 2.9 million affected customers. They had repeatedly stated that no unencrypted financial information was breached, though customer names, encrypted credit card numbers, and passwords, and other information related to customer orders had been stolen. Adobe is currently working on notifying affected customers, so keep your eye on your inbox. And Adobe is resetting passwords of all affected customers. So, uh, Derek, let's let's throw this to you first. I know you had some stuff to say about this online. What's your general take of this issue? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, yeah, of course. You, know, you hate you hate to be the company that very smart people uh, turn their evil eye uh, to, and uh, yeah. this is unfortunately what happened to Adobe. The the first thing that jumped out at me uh, as we as we got a few days into it is that I appreciated Adobe coming clean on this, uh, you know, and um, actually I have, uh, I'm reading, you know, they did a, a blog post here uh, titled uh, Important Customer Security Announcement, and they just sort of really just kind of spelled out the whole thing, what happened, and they didn't use evasive language, and then they did bullet points on, you know, what they, what they plan to do, mm -hmm. and it, I think it's all good and reasonable stuff, and um, you know, I just think it's it's super unfortunate, and I think it makes us think. Well, you know, how those of us that that like the um, the benefits of online life, uh, you know, what can we do just individually to if something like this happens to someone that we're doing business with, what can we do to minimize our risk? And that's probably the second thing that came to my mind was, you know, what can I do to minimize risk? 
you know, in these in these situations. Yeah, yeah. And what is that? What what do you do to minimize risk? Well, as I, you know, I, I have a few things that I do, and I actually, uh, you know, Dave and I were talking about this before the before we went live. I talked about this in the podcast. There's a couple things that you can do, and and I think one of the one of the things that I personally do is that. I don't uh, have companies keep my credit card information with my customer file. So if if I do an order, then you know obviously I have to give them the information then it's attached to the order, but I don't allow them to save that credit card information to my customer file, which is usually uh, my understanding anyway is what hackers go after is yeah. uh, is the customer file. So I try to to minimize exposure and. Um, it's nice to have the convenience of, you know, you go to Amazon and you just have to click, you know, buy it, and they have your credit card information and shipping and all that, and this boom, it just goes off. That is nice. I mean, you know, let's let's face it, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I've I've steered away from that in the last year or two, uh, just because I figure as few as exposures as possible. Uh, I you know it it may help. It may so help. You're not doing the Amazon one-click thing at all, then. No, okay. no. I stop. I every time I fill out an order, uh, I, I'm I'm filling in my information and I don't let it go to my my customer file. Interesting. And, and um, yeah, and, and like I said, it does take more time, but I, I feel a little bit better about the situation. So that's that's my my top of mind thing that I'm doing right now. Okay. And and Dave, looking at this story, uh, taking it from the top, Adobe 2.9 million affected customers. W what was your knee-jerk reaction when you saw this? Did, was it like, oh, you know, whatever? Yeah, actually, it was. <laughs> whatever. Kind of, I hate to say it, but it's gotten to be kind of a oh hum type of you know, because you know what's going to happen. This it, it's kind of a news cycle. Six eight yeah. weeks from now, everybody's going to kind of forget, and then right. some. There's going to be somebody new, like Microsoft or some big, or um, who knows, bank. I don't know. Right. And and you hear about something. It just seems to happen so much these days. It becomes like, do I really care? I didn't get a note. I, I've got an account with Adobe, but I didn't get an email. Neither so. did I. I haven't got one either. Yeah. I'm sure they got. Should have. What? I should have. Yeah, I, both of you should have. There there should be two emails. Uh, one. Uh, for your password, uh, you know, them letting you know that they've reset it, and then you can go, go in and and uh, adjust it from there. And then the second, which I didn't get because I'm not a Creative Cloud customer, uh, on your credit card uh, information, uh, letting you know that uh, you know that your credit card uh, was was part of that. Hmm. And you know, interesting. One of the things that they're doing that they spell out in the in the bullet points here. Is that uh, they're providing everyone that had the credit card situation or the debit card uh, that was involved the option of enrolling in a one-year complimentary credit monitoring membership were available, so that uh, you know you can uh, keep an eye, uh, you know, on on that on that credit card, which yeah. I, I you know. I thought that was kind of cool, actually. I have to I have to be honest with you. I thought that was a, a nice touch. Yeah, I think this. I think, Dave, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these these attacks and these security breaches seem to be becoming more and more frequent, and and we're getting used to them as like, oh, it's like like car alarms going off in the parking lot now. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. It's just a whatever. <laughs> you know, no one cares anymore. But you know, it, is this just a symptom of? us moving more and more of our lives into the cloud 
right? I mean, to the cloud, which is online, right? So, we, like we talked about using Google. Google, we're using them for lots of services. We're using them for this podcast right now. You know, where you know, there's Google Docs, which we're using for our show notes right now. There's, uh, you know, of course, Adobe stuff is online, or the, the at least the uh, the subscription piece of it online. The things, Dropbox, it goes on and on and on. Lots of our lives are moving more and more away from the desktop and into the cloud, and these security breaches continue to happen from rogue hackers, and then we get these notices and, you know, scary things that come down about the NSA snooping in every nook and cranny of our digital lives, too. How do we navigate this? Dave, I'm going to put it to you first. How do we navigate, and how, like, how are you schooling your kids to live in this digital world where, you know, everything's permanent and nothing is private? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because my girls are getting to the age where you know, like I got a, a new iPhone, and so the old iPhone becomes kind of their phone, you know, yeah, and yeah. and they're kind of at the age where you know, I I have to kind of watch out what they're doing, but yeah, yeah you know, to flip this around a little bit, because I don't know exactly how to answer that question, uh, because I don't want to give away kind of my algorithms of what I do for passwords and stuff like that <laughs> sure, to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, me being, you know, a business owner and selling products online, and I've been doing this for like 10 years um, with a lot of my different websites, mm-hmm. is I never, ever touch, I never see, I never store anybody's, you know, credit card information. I, you know, let it go through eBay or create an API that goes direct to the bank, and nothing ever gets stored in my database. So if I got hacked, which could happen, um, I don't have to worry about that part of the aspect. You just get of, names and addresses or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and if, if people are smart enough, they should be changing their password every so often. You know, I'm sure people don't. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a tough one. You know, because we do we we like all the benefits of living online and and having everything not having to log in every single time or give our credit card every time to Amazon and just one click it and buy it and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Without, it's tough. It's yeah. a tough question. Derek, Derek, what about you? I mean, any any advice for living in the cloud as more and more of our bits find their ways, you know, into the cumulus? Well, I, I like the one thing that Dave said is something that I do, which is uh, change your password. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just just kind of force yourself to do that uh, on a, on a regular basis. Uh, we were talking some of us about having a credit card that's just sort of like for your online life. And, that's what I know, do. One that, yeah, 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 one that you can you know shut down pretty easily if you have to. Yeah, I sort of well, like that idea. The PayPal credit card that I only yeah. fund to a certain degree, and if it yeah. gets lost or stolen, then I'm only all you know out a certain amount of money. It's not connected to my bank account. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. And you know, we have some protections, uh, you know, with credit cards. But uh, you know, we have to respond if something happens, you know, for us to you know keep those protections. Yeah. So I mean, I think just a lot of uh, common sense stuff. But I'm not ready to to give up all the benefits either of online mm-hmm. life. I mean, I like it, and um, I, you know, I think part of it is, in all honesty, got to tell you, it's just luck. It's yeah. just, you know, there's a certain amount of luck, whether, uh, you know, whether your house gets hit or your credit card gets hit or, you know, a company you're doing business with gets hit. And I think there's going to be a certain amount of, of that happening. I, I feel bad for Adobe. You know, they're trying to get Creative Cloud going. 
uh, right now. They're trying to really move their business in this direction. Yeah. You know, and this one stinks. Is yeah. you know, this one's this one hurts a bit. Yeah. You know, but you know, like I said, lots of and like like Dave said, lots of companies have and will deal with this. It reminds me of what I used to have a motorcycle and someone used to tell me there are two kinds of motorcycle riders. Ones that have had accidents and ones that will have accidents. Yeah, it's like hard and, drives, right? Yeah, same with hard drives. People, yeah. you know, ones that have lost data or people that <laughs> you lose data in the future. And it's true, you know. And the only thing you do is just do your best to be careful, you know, yeah. as you in, in any one of those circumstances, and just be smart. So uh, and cognizant of the fact that yeah, people there are nefarious people out there that want to do you harm or 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 get your data. So. If they want to break in, they're going to get your stuff. It's like breaking in your house. Someone wants to break in your house, they're going to get they're in. They're going to. They're yeah. going to get in. You just got to make it but, a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But I do think the the takeaway that we can do right now is maybe okay. We'll think about how we're managing our online life and maybe tighten it up just a little bit and put the odds just a hair more in our favor, you know, yeah. and and just make it a little bit better. So I you know, it. I mean, I, I and I do think that's worth thinking about. Alright guys, let's move on to the listener Q&A. This is where you guys get to answer questions that have been at the top of some of the TWIP listeners' minds. Um, this, this week's question is from John Decker, and he says, uh, he's a one quick question for the show that I hope doesn't offend anyone. Hmm, intriguing. I like when questions start like that. <laughs> he says, I had an assistant turn in a stack of images from a night party event, and they were all blurry. The assistant was uh, was super proud of, and I hate when people use the word super, but the assistant was super proud of how artistic they looked. Um, at what point do blurry photos get called art? And I would add to that. That's where the question ends. I would add to that. And at what point are they just plain mistakes? <laughs> so, so, Dave, why don't you take this first? If, if you've got someone working with you on a shoot, you're doing a two-camera shoot, and you need the second shooter in there to shoot video for you, B-roll or whatever, and they're like, hey, this is my look, man. I shoot everything slightly tilted to the left and out of focus. Don't, don't crap on my art, man. <laughs> well, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, you hear it over and over again. I think it's, you know, pretty much true, but, you know, if it's an assistant, maybe the person is starting out. You know, you got to understand the rules and follow the rules, and then once you've mastered the rules, you can break the rules, right? So right. if it's an assistant, shouldn't you be following the rules and not breaking the rules at that level? Right. Um, I, man, if I was just, you know, all, all I can think of when I read that question the first time is like, and especially when it's, it's super proud, is like, man, I really screwed up. How can I just twist this one around to my favor? <laughs> How can I possibly get out of this one and just wag the dog? I'll just call it art. That's the only thing I could think of because. If you're an assistant, you don't go and do that. You don't break rules like that. You gotta right. you gotta make sure the person's eye is super sharp and right. yeah, out of focus. No, not good. Especially if that and I don't know what you know. If it's a party, I'm guessing they're you're shooting the people. It's gonna be portraits, right? Right. It's not gonna be landscapes. So if you don't have the person's eyes and focus, you know, I understand in a night event it might be difficult. Maybe he wasn't using a flash or who knows what. Yeah. But or the slow shutter speed is my guess, but. Gosh, no, yeah. Yeah, that would be my guess, too, slow shutter speed. But, yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. It was probably an excuse that this, this person was using. But at the same time, John Decker, I'd have to put the onus on you as well You to, to properly brief your assistants and say, these are my expectations for what I'm going to get out of you for this amount of money that I'm paying you. 
I would like A, B, and C. This is what success looks like for this event, <laughs> you know, and you know, and and just make sure that you properly communicate the objectives. Derek, what, what about you? Has this happened to you at all, where someone tried to pass off a mistake as art? Not, not that, but I, I think both of you guys, uh, each of your points, are, I agree with a hundred percent. The thing I've run into uh, with second shooters is uh, flash, the use of flash, and. I've had some second shooters go, you know what, I don't use flash. It's not my thing. <laughs> and this is uh, where you're your available point. light, right? Yeah, you know, I was, again, I'm, I'm an artist, you know. And this is, I think, Frederick, where your point's really important. Well, we had that discussion before the shoot. And I said, yeah. well, on this shoot, you are going to use flash as appropriate because there are certain shots that, that just require it. And actually, if you knew how to use a flash, it would, you know, it would, not look like a flash shot. It would look right. beautiful. And let me show you how to do that. So uh, I think you know setting expectations up front is is thing. I but I've never had anyone pull anything on me afterwards. You know we 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 take care of all those discussions beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't. You know you got so many things that can go wrong already. Head off the ones that are preventable. Right, right. Yeah, I'll tell you. I gotta I gotta tell you guys. Um, a long time ago, I made the decision to only shoot using available light, and that's any light that's available to me at the time, whether it's a that's flash right. or <laughs> that's, that's right. exactly. Did you hear that hot, that hush? You guys are like, yeah. oh, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll admit it that you know I'm available light shooter, and I say that because I don't know anything about flash yet. Yeah. But I, well, and actually, I know we're going to move into the picks of the week pretty soon, and, yeah. and I am looking for a flash. Um, uh, so yeah, I I I'm available light shooter because I suck at flash. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what most of the people that say I only shoot with available light. That's their excuse. <laughs> I don't know it, so I'm just not gonna use it. I'm just gonna concentrate on other stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. Available light means any light you have available to you, whether it's a flash, you know, continuous lighting, <laughs> the sun, whatever, lightning. It's it's all light. <laughs> it's all light. Understand it. All right, guys. Uh, let's jump into the picks of the week real quick. Uh, this is the segment where you guys can recommend something to the audience. Dave, why don't you go first? What's your pick? Um, so I reviewed this lens a couple months ago. Um, this is the Tokina uh, uh, 16 to 28, and it doesn't get much love out there. It's uh, like a lens that's uh, significantly uh, less than Canon's very popular uh, 16 to 35, and mm -hmm. that lens goes for about $1,700. This one, about $700, and they make it both for Canon and Nikon. Um, in my test, it was sharper, especially in the corners. It had less chromatic aberration, um, less vignetting, uh, has a six-year warranty if you live in the United States, um, the only downside of this camera, and you can, for those people watching, you can see that you will not accept filters without some sort of fancy adapter. Yes. Um, and I sometimes like to use polarizers and ND filters, not, uh, um, not so much on this one for video because it's so wide. Um, uh, and it goes, it's a constant aperture, 2.8. Um, just a, a, a lovely lens. It's, it's awesome. So if you're one of those people that are like, man, the, the 16 to 35 is so much money, and it's kind of a, a novelty lens that I won't use that much. It might stay in my bag, and I might never use it. Well, this is a great option. Um, yeah. It takes, it, it's got, it's great glass. Yeah, I love and it. And how much was that? 
Seven hundred bucks. Seven hundred bucks. Wow. And it was funny, you know, um, Roger. I oh, I'm gonna probably screw it up. I don't know if you guys follow Roger's blog. He it's either Lens Rentals or he's at Lens Rentals. Yeah. Yeah. He does amazing blog posts, and I sent him my review, and I was like, "Am I on track here?" Because he's he's a god when it comes to lenses. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And he emailed he emailed like a, back. You review, right? What's that? He's the humandpreview.com yeah. thing. <laughs> so I, he is, he emails me back. He said, oh, great, great uh, video you did. He goes, I totally agree. Canon really needs to come out with a new 16 to uh, 35 version, whatever, because, you know, all these other vendors are starting to catch up to him yeah. and pass him. Yeah, yeah the, the only thing that I, I say about those the third-party lenses, um, and this came from Borrow Lenses. I think we had Josh Norum on a while back when he was at Bar Lenses and I think his comment was they and of course they they rent these things all the time right so they they're getting beat up by various people from around the world including mailmen and UPS and at FedEx and they just said those the third party lenses in their experience just didn't last as long as the the manufacturer lenses so that $1000 that you're paying on top of that to get the manufacturer lens depending on your usage patterns. Now, if you're the guy that's only going to use that lens occasionally um, and you're not going to Africa doing safaris and, you know, all that kind of stuff, then it's, I'm sure it's going to be more than adequate. But if you're a photojournalist and you're in Afghanistan and you're rolling around and hanging out under trucks and, you know, wading through waters and rivers and all that stuff, then you might want to save up a couple extra dollars to get a more robust lens. All right, Derek Story, what is your pick? It's so funny because I did this before we had our conversation about Flash, <laughs> but uh, but uh, for those people and, and Dave, this might be uh, for you depending on what your bodies are. Uh, uh, for those people that don't like to shoot Flash but need to occasionally, the uh, Canon has one for Canon shooters, the uh, 270EX2, and it's a $150 Flash, $149, $145, depending on where you get it. Uh, and that for a very small flash, it's about the size of a deck of cards, uh, it has good output. It has uh, both wide angle and telephoto uh, settings. It has a bounce head, which you never get on the very small flashes. So it has a bounce head where you can bounce it up 90 degrees. And it has wireless control built in. Wow. And the wireless, though, you need a camera, you, you know, uh, like for instance, I shoot with a 70D a lot, so it has a built in uh, wireless flash controller. Uh, so in that case, all I need is this little flash in my, my 70D. And if you use it with other flashes, you can do AB uh, ratio balancing because it's automatically in uh, group A. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you just set the other one to group B and you can do ratio uh, sets up setups with it. And it has a trigger. So if you don't have a, a helper, you can uh, actually set your camera up and then put the flash exactly where you want and then use the trigger on the flash to fire your camera while you're while you're not standing at the camera. And it's just a very cool device that's very small, takes two AA batteries, it's affordable, and it's it just really can give you a lot of lighting options. Very cool. All right. And how much was that again? One fifty. One forty five, one forty nine. Look at that. Somewhere so in there. You guys, see, we're yeah. doing, we're, I like it when we do these inexpensive picks, well, relatively speaking, yeah. inexpensive picks. Right. All right. Well, cool. Thanks, Derek. My pick, and I'm going to bring it up for the folks that are watching us in the, uh, let's see if I can bring it up here. 
that are watching us in the screencast slash hangout. Here's my pick. So my pick is the Sony Action Cam. So Dave, I know you probably know about this thing. Um, it is Sony's competitor to the GoPro. It's one of those all-weather, outdoor, you know, snowboarding, scuba diving, hang gliding, base jumping type cameras. And I got a chance to play with one of these. I took it, like I was saying, I, before we started the show, I took this down to Capitola and um, actually went out whale watching, trying to find whales with this thing. Um, and didn't find any whales, but I got a chance to try. Got a chance to try out the the camera. It's pretty dang cool. I mean, it's uh, you know, you can check out the specs on the site, but it, basically, it's a GoPro camera. It comes with this waterproof housing. It's got built-in Wi-Fi in it, so you can stream the footage, which I was doing from the little dinghy boat that we were on. I was streaming footage from the camera to my smartphone while I why whilst I had held the camera underwater on a little monopod. So, camera's underwater, I'm looking at the footage from the camera <laughs> on my smartphone, and it all worked, you know? The whole That's thing cool. worked. Yeah, That's and cool. it was, for me, it, it was easier, and I have the GoPro Hero 3 um, as well. This one it seemed easier for me because the menuing system seemed a lot more intuitive, and to start it, it's just, you know, there's a big red button on the back of it, Start and stop. You know, there's a light that tells you if it's on, and if it, and it beeps when you hit the button. You can look on the side to see it counting. It's got a little LCD on there, not an LCD, but a just a countdown timer. It doesn't have a screen on it. You have to use an external screen. But it just seemed to be more intuitive. Now, video quality-wise, I haven't compared it to the footage out of the GoPro, and something tells me the GoPro is the hero, you know, <laughs> of the match uh, because Sony, in a lot of ways, this is their first entry into the action cam sort of category. But dang, is it cool! It's awesome, you know what it does. So, the thing costs uh, 200 bucks, 199 dollars, and that's they've got two models, I believe. One of them with GPS and NFC, and the other one with Wi-Fi. I got the Wi-Fi model, obviously. It's 11.9 megapixels in this thing. So that's my pick of the week. Dave, have you played around with this with that particular camera? I know you you've played with the GoPro. No, I haven't. Um, the GoPro uh, Plus came out just recently, um, right. which is kind of—it looks like it just solved a lot of the problems that I had with the GoPro when I reviewed it. So yeah. they should um, call it the GoPro Fix. Hey, real quick question for you: you When you did you say that you put the pole underwater and you could still see the Wi-Fi onto your yeah. like smartphone? Yeah. Because with the GoPro, every time I tried that, all I had to do is go maybe like an eighth of an inch of water, and the Wi-Fi would go. Yeah. So what you're saying is Wi-Fi is wor working through the water? It worked through the water, but not... Yeah, you're right, because I got it underwater for maybe 10 seconds, and then I'd lose a signal. Okay, you know, then so I'd have you're, to come you're up. getting a lag of maybe four or five seconds to a Right, oh, right. Gotcha. Okay. But for me, because this is the first time I did that, for me, just the fact that I was doing that was like... I was giggling like a schoolgirl out there. I was like, look at that. This is yeah. so cool, you know, that I could do that. And then, you know, I like I said, I had it on a monopod. So we're on this little motorboat. So I'm like up doing weird kind of angles of the boat, you know, all this stuff. And it's just like, wow, I, you could never have done this a couple of years ago. It's a lot of fun. I remember when I reviewed that GoPro, um, even afterwards, for months afterwards, you, you think differently. You're thinking, well, you know, I could put it up high. I could 
put it in the water. I can do it, you know, underneath the boat or whatever I'm doing. And then you you kind of think creatively um, with your DSLR better, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I tell you, the, the weird thing for me um, about just use because this is the first time I actually, you know, tried to do something substantive with one of these cameras without a display on it was the fact that it didn't have a display. So I'm like, am I framing this cr properly? I know this is it's, wide. It's so wide, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but am I cutting people's heads off? Am I shooting my feet? Or, you know, I had, you have no idea until you get back. It's almost like shooting film again. Yeah. You get back and you develop the film. <laughs> You look at what you got and like, oh wow, I really screwed up that shot. Or look what I got. This is awesome. Yeah. So anyway, that's my that's my pick of the week. All right, guys, let's close this thing off. Um, wow, this, these shows go so quickly for me. I love this. Like I said, this is my weekly therapy, and I thank you guys for doing it for me for free. <laughs> free I'm therapy, free, man. I just need a couch. I just need a couch. Yeah. All right, Derek. Where can people go to stay connected with you? It's so easy. Just go to thedigitalstory.com. And, uh, you know, I have the weekly podcast on there, Frederick. I haven't brought that up lately, but I have the weekly yeah. podcast. And uh, uh, make sure you listen on Tuesday because I've got all sorts of great stuff I'm going to be covering and announcing on Tuesday. So big, big, big shoe on Tuesday. All right. And for those of you that are listening in the future, that is Tuesday, October 15th that Derek new initiative, his new plate will yeah, start yes, spinning. Yes, yes, it is. Awesome. It is. Well, congratulations. But it's a good show every week. Every yes, week is a good of course. show. Of course. Well, thank you for coming on again, Derek. You bet. All right. And also, Mr. Dave Dugdale, where can people go to keep up with you? Uh, LearningDSLRVideo.com. So if you're one of those people that have a DSLR and you want to learn how to shoot video, you can watch me make lots of mistakes. Um, and that's pretty much what I do. Is I, I'm learning. And, you know, uh, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I love how humble you are with this stuff because your site <laughs> and your YouTube channel are, and the production values of the and all the work that you put into those things is insane. Because I've tried it, <laughs> I've tried it, and it ain't easy. And so I have, I have like, like uber respect for you for all the stuff that you do and you put on there, and there's just a mountain of content on there that you keep adding to, and it's well, free. You know? thing, I, I really appreciate it, um, and, and I'm kind of somewhat baffled sometimes when I come on the show, and I'm surrounded by these great guests that have years of experience, and I've only been using a DSLR for like the last three and a half years, so I, I, I appreciate that I'm on the show, but sometimes when you ask me questions, like, I hope I give the right advice. <laughs> you, you fake it very well, my friend. It's awesome. <laughs> No, but you are, I mean, you bring much-needed professional video um, experience and knowledge to the show, you know, you, the depth of which that I have not even scratched. So thank you for coming on and adding to the show. Well, thank you. Oh, and by the way, keep listening at the end of the show for a special interview with photographer and author Brooke Shaden. In this conversation, we discuss how photographers can find and execute on inspiration. All right, guys and listeners, if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com and also join our community over on Google+. And circle all of us on Google+, if you are so inclined, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff as well. And if you're looking for me directly, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me on my site at frederickvan.com or on Google+. You just search for Frederick Van Johnson. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.
Music and Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, guys, I'm here with a photographer, a Los Angeles-based photographer. Her name is Brooke Shaden. She's, uh, she's, uh, she does some really cool stuff, I got to tell you. She's, we're going to specifically be talking about her book. It's called Inspiration in Photography, right here, that I have in my hot little hands. And the subtitle is Train Your Mind to Make Great Art a Habit. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about here. So, Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you. Okay, so let, let's jump in and just talk about your background a little bit before we mm -hmm. dive into how to train your mind to make art a good habit. So yep. you're in L.A. How did you make your way to Were you born in L.A.? Did you go there to no. find fame and fortune? What's the deal? <laughs> kind of. I, I moved there after college because I thought that I was going to be a filmmaker. So I had gone to, to school for filmmaking and English, and I was writing screenplays and thought that L.A. was the place to be. Yeah. And I knew that it was either the warm weather or New York, and I didn't want to stay in the cold weather. I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, so yeah. um, so I decided to go for L.A., but I never really felt like I belonged there. It wasn't really a place that I wanted to be. I'm much more of a small-town girl. Yeah. I actually just moved out of Los Angeles, so that feels really good. Now I'm in a small town in the southwest, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I was going to be a filmmaker. And so I, I went out there and I tried my best for about six months. And then I decided, never mind. And I, that's when I really started looking at photography seriously. Nice. So now, now you're a published author. Is, is this book your first book? It's my first book that's been published with a publishing company. Okay. Um, I had a self-published book before. That was one of my huge dreams in life was to have a book. So I did it on my own first and yeah. then finally got hooked up with some publishers. Yeah. And I'm sure doing it on your own kind of greased the wheels a little bit towards doing it with a, with a full-on publisher, right? Yeah. And in a way, I've been dreaming about this book since I was little. So it felt really natural to write. And it was just kind of me putting everything that I love to think about in, into words and putting it on pages. Love it. Love it. And like I was telling you before we started recording, the book is really well made. I mean, it's uh, the, the content, of course, notwithstanding is awesome. But the, the quality of the book, I think Focal Press did a really good job putting this thing together. And even the the gold type on the cover, yeah, it's really really well done. So so okay. So this is writing this book was one of your sort of lifelong things on your list. You checked it off. Um, take me into the book. So what what was the impetus of the book besides just okay? I want to write a book. What what problem are you solving, and who are you speaking to with this book? You know, generally, I'm speaking to anybody who wants to live a more inspired life. And that's really the goal here. So even though it's geared towards photography, it's all about finding inspiration to create photographs. You could extend that beyond photography to any part of your life. You know, how do I find inspiration in life in general? How do I apply that and stay motivated to then continue through with that? So the book is is just me wanting to reach out to people who want to change, who want to be inspired, who want to be motivated. And, and reaching out to those people and saying, you know what, you're not alone. There are thousands, millions of people out there who also want to be inspired, who just aren't quite sure how to hold on to that inspiration and then take it somewhere. Yeah. And the, the word inspiration is kind of nebulous and, and ethereal in some ways, right? So because mm -hmm. from a photographer standpoint, looking at it just from that lens, so to speak, it's okay. I have this great camera, you know, we talk about gear a lot on the show. I have this great camera that can do stuff that 
photographers decades ago could only dream of, and I have it for like 500 bucks, right? So you yeah. have all this stuff, but then now you're faced almost with like writer's blinking cursor, blank screen syndrome, you know? Yeah. I, I have this awesome thing, so I have no excuse. I have an internet, and there's a million places for me to share the images, so the you know the path is now free of resistance to getting the work out there now the onus is on the artist to go out and shoot so now the problem becomes for a lot of people what that is you know how yeah. what do i shoot what do i want to be a landscape photographer and be like a Trey Radcliffe do i want to do glamour and be like a Sue Bryce you know do what yeah. what do i do how do what do you tell people when they're when they're stuck there they're they're the soldier that's geared up, got all their weapons and everything to go out to war, but then they're they're not sure which war they should fight. <laughs> well, I think that's exactly the issue sometimes is that, you know, we think, okay, now I've got the newest camera and now I've got Photoshop and I've got this and that. And so now I can do anything. Yeah. And and that's true. You can do anything. It's just like you said, there's just a, a blank screen in front of you. You can create whatever you want. But that's the issue is that so many people get it in their minds that once they have all that equipment, the ideas will just be there and they'll just be able to create but instead, the opposite is true. And we're confronted with this blankness, this this blank canvas of, OK, now I have to put myself onto that canvas. Right. And I think that that part of it is figuring out what you love at the most basic level is just saying, you know, if I could go out today and do anything, what would that be? If I could just photograph anything in the world, what would that be? Maybe it would be a certain color, a, a certain person, a certain location, you know, whatever makes you happiest. Yeah. And that's how I started photography was not because I liked photography. I never wanted to experiment with the medium. I just wanted to, to put my stories and ideas out there based on what I love daydreaming about. And so that's where I tell people to start is just what do you love? And I think that when people are honest with themselves about that and they really take a step back and reevaluate themselves as a person, then they know who they are as an artist. Yeah, that's amazing. See, that's powerful. I think, you know, I'd, I'd paraphrase that into reverse engineer your dreams right so, yes exactly so you have a dream of man i had a dream of like a, an angel floating on a cloud and then this raining upside down and all this stuff and then you have that in your mind's eye you sketch it out then you say okay all right now what do i need to do to create that okay well yeah. i probably need to get some shots of clouds and i need a model to shoot that angel and then i got to figure out how to make it look real so you reverse engineer it rather than yes. the reverse which is a lot of photographers like okay I'm standing outside and I got to make some art. What is, there's a beetle. Let me go shoot it, you know, right, and, and right. figure it out from there. Yeah, I'm extremely analytical when it comes to my photography. So, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit around and wait to be inspired because I don't that's not reliable enough. That's not how I want to live my life. I want to know that every single day I can go out and create something that's meaningful to me. And it might not always work. It might not be the best thing I've ever created. But if on that particular day it makes me feel something, then I'm doing something right. Yeah. And so I want to be able to work backwards, like you said, and to say, okay, now what inspires me? Um, make lists, write down um, paragraphs of words that just, it, you know, if I can go back to that and be inspired, it's going to work every time. That's what I want. So yeah, I'm working backwards. I'm I'm trying to deconstruct my thoughts in a way that puts it into terms that I can understand. So, you know, um, maybe I'll, I'll be sitting here having some weird daydream about running through the forest or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm going to deconstruct that and say, okay, well, where where is this forest that I can shoot? What would I be wearing? What color is my wardrobe going to be? What angle should the camera be at? And things like that. Yeah. Now, Brooke, do you, do you keep a sketchbook of ideas that you just like something yeah. hits you when you're walking around? You're like, okay. 
That's interesting. And you, do you sketch it out or do you write a list? Do you have like a list of just All words? All of the above. Okay. I do everything. Um, I have several sketchbooks that I keep and I do attempt to sketch. That's mostly just stick figures and stuff. I'm, I'm better me. at writing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so instead of, I, I do sketch, but mostly I, I write out paragraphs. Yeah. So I'll typically have about three paragraphs, give or take, where um, I'm writing every little detail that I can think of from the wardrobe, location, prop, color, things like that, mm -hmm. um, into the technical side of what will it look like in Photoshop, and then, you know, lists of things that I need for the day, because I'm notorious for running out the house without my CF card and stuff like that, yeah. so I always have to be very thorough. Yeah, I love it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, just drawing the line, if there's a line, maybe it's a blurry line, between journalism and documentary photographer, photography on one side and creating art from nothing on the other side. Is it, and let me frame the question because there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's been debate about when you take a photo, some photographers say, you know, you're not a real photographer if you mess with it. You know, you go mm -hmm. out there and you take a photo and you should, you don't even crop it. It should be what you saw, you know, in the viewfinder should be what you show people. And then there's other photographers um, and I would put myself into that other photographer category where I feel if I'm creating some, if I want to create a piece of art, then all bets are off when it comes to the pixels on that page. Like I say on the show, yeah. pixels were born to be punished. So <laughs> I will go in and in a lot of a lot of ways you go in and you capture the elements and then put them together. Where do you fall on that? Is it is it when you go out and you're saying, OK, you know, I need I need a tree for this background of this image. Let me go take some pictures of trees and then composite it in. Are you that yeah. person or do you try to get it all right in the camera? I do both. You, you know, I think that I, I hate putting labels on things. And yeah. so people always say, well, what kind of a photographer are you? And I say, whatever you want to call me, that's fine. It doesn't really matter because it doesn't affect the end product. You know, I could go have a gallery show and, and not say anything about what the medium is and people will still have a reaction to it in the same way. So I, I just don't see the need to put a label on it. But there are times when I have to, you know, for certain things that I'm doing where somebody says, okay, well, you just, you have to define yourself in some way. Yeah. And there's a good and a bad to that because if you define yourself, then you're telling people who you are and what you want to be rather than letting other people define you. So I say that I'm a fine art photographer. And I say that because what I do is very photographic. I take pictures. I put those pictures together. I don't create anything that is not photographically based. Um, and my process is extraordinarily simple. It's a matter of layer masking. I mean, that's all that I do yeah. in Photoshop. So on, on one hand, you know, there are people saying you're a digital artist, but then I feel like I would be lying if I said that because there are so many amazing digital artists who do amazing things with a computer and I'm not one of those people. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not capturing life as it really is. And I take pride in that. That's not what I want to do. So, you know, we'll leave it open, I suppose. But, but I think, um, you know, just shoot what you want and do what you want with it. And then don't put a label on it because it doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, that's the excellent words. And people, it's just weird. Like maybe leaning more towards the let's label thing group. It, it seems like photographers fit in that, you know, so we have to label you as a even down to gear. Oh, you're a Nikon shooter. You're a Sony shooter. Right. You're a Canon shooter. Or you're a light. You're a Lightroom user. Or photo. Yeah. Or you know, aperture user. Or whatever. They have to put you in these categories. Um, when it's like you were saying, it's refreshing to hear you say that. It's not about the stuff that 
It's not about the car that you use to get to the destination. It's the destination. Exactly. And when you get to the party, you're not saying, oh, dude, are you a Ford driver? Or are you? <laughs> right. No one cares. Right. You're exactly. there. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if I can promote anything, it's the fact that, you know, use what you have to create and and make that work for you and then upgrade if you want to. And, and that can be awesome as well if you have a great camera and the newest version of Photoshop. But do you have to have it to create? No, you don't. Yeah. And so I just... I just think that everybody should just remember that whatever you can get your hands on is the best tool for you at that moment. Yeah. Well, Brooke, let's close this off with just um, just some quick thoughts about just inspiration in general. Again, the book is yeah. called Inspiration in Photography. Here it is again. I love it. And I'll link to it <laughs> in the, uh, the various places where the show is going to show up. But um, let's just talk about inspiration and some just some concrete ways that people can be can get inspired. What can they do to sort of break their pattern to go out and get inspired and to bring some cool things into the computer to work with. Definitely. I mean, well, one of the exercises that I lay out in, in the book, which is one of my absolute favorites to do, I've been doing this exercise for the last four years now, and it's worked for me almost every single time, is to very simply deconstruct an image like we've been talking about, break it down into prop, uh, location, wardrobe, and color. Those are four basic categories that most images will use, unless you're not shooting a person, of course. Right. But considering you are, you write down these four categories and then instantly you just start writing down every word that comes to your mind per category. So for prop, you might write down um, cat, blanket, tree, leaf, anything that comes to your mind, color, purple, red, green, orange. And then by the end of about two minutes, if you just spend 30 seconds per category, you have all of these words laid out that were already in your mind that for some reason you were thinking about. And so once you have all that written down, you can see very clearly what your mind is, is working on at the moment. From there, I choose one word per category. And then you already have a photo idea. So you will have a location picked out, a prop, a wardrobe, and a color. And once you have all of those things, all you have to do is just make it your own. So, you know, if I picked forest, um, girl, cloak, purple, then maybe I would have a girl in a purple cloak running through the forest. So, you know, instantly it's this idea that you can expand on and grow and make your own. So, you know, that's one way that anybody can find inspiration. And I love watching people find inspiration that way because it's just such a good way of taking yourself out of yourself for a moment and saying, okay, what am I really like and why do I love these things? I love it. I love it. That's that's great advice. I love the thing. If people take one thing out of this interview, it will be the idea of working backwards from your vision and then even going forward, you know, kind of getting that inspiration by doing your homework and those brain thought sort of exercises on paper first or on the screen, whatever, and then working backwards to create the vision in the beginning. So what about frequency? Just really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's varying degrees of frequency that people post things online. You know, yeah. I see some photographers are posting images multiple times a day, some post once a day, some once a week, some hardly ever. Every now and then you'll see something pop up from them. I know there's no one right answer to it, but for you, what what's frequency? Is it, you know, you have a... Like, some photographers have a queue of images that they've already worked on and they just sort of drip feed them out to the audience. And some are just as you go, like, oh, I had inspiration and I created this image and now I'm going to share it with you. How, How do you think about that? 
I do a little bit of both. I try to keep it consistent, um, mostly because, you know, I want to inspire people on a regular basis and I don't want people to fall off and think, oh, she's not doing anything Mm -hmm. because me doing something, I can only hope will inspire somebody else to do something. So I try to post new images anywhere from one to four a week. And um, so that's what I'm putting out there. And if it's not a picture, then it's a blog post. And if it's not a blog post, then it's a quote that I like or something like that, just to keep people, you know, inspired and excited to go create on their own. I love it. I love it. Okay, well, where can people go see some of these postings and and Mm -hmm. follow you online and all that good stuff? Uh, my Facebook is sort of the hub right now where I like to post everything first. So that's Brookshade and Photography. And uh, my website is where you can get to everything else. So uh, brookshaden.com and that has Twitter and Facebook and all of those things on there. Perfect. Well, Brooke, thank you for taking the time out of your day. to. Oh, thank you. This has been awesome. Again, the book is called Inspiration in Photography. It's awesome. And I'm, I haven't finished it yet because it is I mean, you've got some crazy shots in here. This is really good. It's a really, really inspirational book. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk to you soon.